Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions. However, we normally don't have enough time to get through all the comments and questions that get sent in. But if you guys sent in those tips and you supported our channel and you gave us great fun topics, I want to make sure you don't have to wait too long to get them answered. So we gather them up. We address them here on companion videos. Now, we're a little bit behind because today is, oh, what day is today? Tuesday the 27th. On today's show, we had me, Rob, and Scott, and we like did a bunch of topics, including a full rundown of all the big movies still coming out in 2021. So we didn't actually, for the first time ever on the John Campy Show, we didn't have enough time to go to the live questions. Never happened before. I'll make sure it never happens again. So I want to make sure we start getting caught up on those things. So let's not waste any time and dive right into it, shall we? And we're going to things started off here with Frankie W. Goosh, who writes, Random thoughts. I liked Masters of the Universe Revelations. I think Blood Red Sky was a, was a unique another take on vampires to give Netflix a better than usual check on one of their films. I have not seen, I'm not, I'll be honest with you, I'm not even familiar with what Blood Red Sky is. I'm straight up honest with you, I'm not sure what that is. I watched the first episode of Masters of the Universe and no complaints. I just didn't feel like it was for me. So I never actually got around to watching it, unfortunately, or watching the rest. I watched the first one. Um, and again, interesting take on Tila and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Man at Arms is now kind of retired and I dug that. But yeah, just overall didn't click for me. That's all. Again, no complaints. I'm just saying didn't quite click for me. That's all. Maybe I'll try the rest of them another time, but I'm not really anxious to do so. All right, next up, Casey McNatt writes, Well, John, I finally did it. With you and a bunch of people praising it, I decided to watch Ted Lasso. Bravo. I am not much of a soccer fan. Dude, neither am I. I, I am totally not much of a soccer fan either. Uh, but that being said, I am up to episode four of season one right now and I've loved every episode and I cannot wait to watch more. Dude, I am so with you on that. I The first episode of Ted Lasso didn't completely wow me. It felt like an extended Saturday Night Live sketch, kind of. But once I got into episode two and three and the charm of the show just takes you over and how amazingly likable Ted is, um, just the, the lead character, Ted Lasso, how amazingly and almost insufferably lovable that character is. You know, and it just came back in and I just watched episode one of season two. Cannot wait for the rest. It's going to be one of our weekly habits now. I'm glad you got on it, man, because I'm really, really liking it, too. All right, next up, we go to Casey, also Casey McNatt, who writes, also, knowing you were a fan of Dexter, were you able to see the latest trailer for it? Uh, I'm all for a new season of Dexter, seeing that the last season didn't end well for many people, so I can't wait to watch that in November. Yeah, we, we talked about it on the John Campus show the other day. I think it was yesterday we talked about it. Love the new trailer. I mean, it totally felt like Dexter never went anywhere. It felt like... Dexter was on TV just a few months ago. It just felt right at home. I thought the trailer was great. I cannot wait to see Clancy Brown. Jonathan Lithgow, of course, is coming back. Uh, the girl who played his sister, Deb, is coming back. I'm sure they're going to be minor, like, little flashback or ghost characters. But still, it felt great to see them come back. And you're right. One of the big reasons they said they were doing this revival season was because they knew a lot of people Denver felt satisfied with the way the show ended before and so uh, it is great that it is indeed coming back All right next up my favorite viewer writes if free guy is a video game movie then so is the remake of Jumanji I completely agree see that's why I said uh the 
Free Guy is not a video game movie any more than Jumanji is a video game movie or Wreck-It Ralph is a video game movie. A vi- that disrespects the monumentally difficult task that actual video game movies have in front of them. Taking an already existing known and beloved IP and then translating that and adapting it into a screenplay to try to meet the fans of that property's expectations, yet make it in such a way that it makes a pleasing story to tell on screen, and they hardly ever work out. It's a monumentally difficult task. To call a purely original film, like Wreck-It Ralph, Jumanji, although, you know, Jumanji was based on the other Jumanji, but you know what I'm saying. To base a free guy, which is just a completely original thing, not not going through the hard work of having to take an already pre-existing beloved IP. See, free guy is a movie about a fictional video game. It's a movie about video games, but it's not a video game movie. Uh, Video game movies are the ones that have to go through that incredibly difficult task of taking an already beloved IP and translating it over. And that's why I think it's disrespectful to call things like Free Guy, which I'm seeing on Monday. Can't wait to watch it. But to call that a video game movie. It's a movie about a video game, but it's not a video game movie, at least in my opinion. All right, next up, we've got uh, Randy who writes, Hey, John, wanted to know if you've seen the early reactions to The Green Knight. They all seem really positive, mostly admiring the film's cinematography and complex story. Would love to hear your thoughts and if you plan on seeing the film. Well, here's the funny thing about uh, about The Green Knight. The early, early reactions actually came out to this like a year ago. I mean, there were early reactions coming out about this a year ago. And we heard amazing things about it, like absolutely amazing things about it. And the original mythology story is actually really great, too. If you go back and read it, just go online and Google it. You'll find the original uh, mythology story about it. And it's really intriguing. The whole idea about the knight shows up in King Arthur's court, challenge him. You know, you get one swing at me. And but then in a year, I get to come back and take a swing at you and they behead him. Only to turn out the beheading him didn't kill him. And now in a year. He's got to go and let the Green Knight take a swing at him. It's a really cool story. And so, yeah, I've been looking forward to this ever since they announced it a very, very long, long time. And I cannot wait to watch this damn thing. All right. Next up, we've got Simon who writes, um, my response to you. Let me try this again. My response to your reply regarding a support group for you, John and Rob over new Star Trek and Superman and Lois. Amen. Amen. It is not important that you and I like everything. But it's more important that we each like what we watch and get enjoyment out of it and have great discussions about them. I totally respect and appreciate that you and Rob do not see eye to eye about everything. And that is what makes your discussions have verisimilitude. It would be so boring if everyone agreed and liked everything in the same way. Live long and prosper and may the force be with y'all up, up and away. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's the, the thing. We're not. I always preach about the subjectivity of film, which means just because you watch something and really love it, somebody else can watch it and totally understand it and not like it because film is art and art is subjective and art hits us all in different ways. And the fun thing is fans is not all agreeing about everything. The fun thing is fans is when we have different perspectives and points of view and we get to engage and talk about it. Robert and I, we disagree about a lot of things. Uh, I mean, we agree about a ton of stuff, too, but we also disagree about a bunch of things. For instance, one great example is relatively new Star Trek, at least Star Trek starting with the J.J. Abrams era. I think for the most part, I don't like everything Star Trek since the J.J. Abrams era, but for the most part, I think it's been pretty damn good. I love the first one. 
I loved his third film. Uh, I really like Discovery. It's not perfect, but I really like Discovery. I thought Picard was great. I'm not. A th I, I haven't gotten around to watching Below Decks. It just looks dumb to me. Mm. Again, I'm not saying it is dumb. I'm just saying I haven't watched it because I think it looks dumb. But yeah, that's the key thing is that we as fans can have different points of view. You know, a lot of people write in and say, you know, John, I don't always agree with you. And I'm like, that's the point. If all you did was agree with me, you probably shouldn't be watching me. I mean, one of the big problems with fandom today is that they only seek out voices that are already saying things that they already agree with. And we see that in mainstream as well, right? People who lean right, all they want to do is listen to news that says exactly what people on the right think. That's all they want to listen to. They'll only listen to Newsmax or they'll only listen to Fox and that's it. Or people on the left, they'll listen to MSNBC, which is like, just they just go there because all they want to hear is things being said that already match up with their worldview. And that's it. They don't want to hear anything else. They only want to hear what they already think. And that's that's in entertainment fandom too. You know, I've, I mean, I've had people literally write to me and say, how can you not like this movie? Like, I'll talk about a movie that I, that I don't like. How can you not like this movie? I don't think I can watch your show anymore. Then I'm like, get the fuck out. If you're the type of viewer that you're only watching me, as long as I keep saying things you already agree with, then you are fucking clueless. And I don't want you here because you're dumbing down the place. We're supposed to agree on some things. We're supposed to disagree on some things. And we're supposed to have fun when the disagreement happens. You know, we're supposed to enjoy it and engage and have a good time. And not that we have to change each other's minds, not at all. But I love it when people, somebody can passionately express their point of view in a respectful and cool way. And hopefully I do the same thing. But, you know, sometimes we all fail at that too. And that's part of being human. But yeah, it's completely important that we disagree because if we don't, we're not being honest and we're not being authentic and we're not growing. So yeah, I, I really appreciate your comments there, Simon. I really do. All right, next up. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I respect your opinion, but writes Superman and Lois is a new timeline. Remember crisis changed the past and episode 13 confirms that at least finished season one. No interest. Thank you very much. Uh, that's like a UFC fan who loves UFC, but sees Brock Lesnar and CM Punk compete once, then stop watching all UFC together because they were in WWE. No, that's very different because that's actual real athletes and real people competing in real events. So no, it's different. Look, you don't have to agree with me. Listen, I don't like the fact that I can't watch Superman Lois anymore. I don't like the fact that I can't watch it. But the reality is, and listen, it's like uh, when you taste a bowl of soup, you don't choose whether you like the soup when you eat it. Your body, which reacts differently than everybody else's does, but your body tells you if you enjoy it or not. And when they brought in Diggle, who I really like him as a character and I love the actor who plays him. But when they bought it, brought in Diggle and it reasserted that this is a part of the same old CW and blah, blah, blah. I just wasn't able to watch it the same way. And I tried to watch it for a bit longer and it just changed the flavor profile of the dish for me now. And, you know, I gave the example of this the other day about, you know, let's say there's a soup that everybody really likes and you like, but then somebody adds a bunch of Tabasco to it. And to a lot of people, Tabasco is delicious. It's wonderful. But, you know, I don't like tobacco and I may want to still enjoy the soup, but the reality is that is now when I take a bite, I, I, I don't enjoy it anymore. And 
I I have loved Superman Lois for 11 episodes, but once they brought that element into it, it just changed my experience with it. It just changed it. So you're just going to have to get over yourself that, you know, oh no, somebody doesn't like something I like now. And I wish I still liked it. I do, but it changed my experience. And just because it didn't change your experience, that in no way invalidates the fact that it did change my experience. And I didn't choose for it to change my experience. It just did, and I don't enjoy it anymore. So if I'm not enjoying it, I'm going to spend my time watching other things I do enjoy. And again, I'm not trashing on anybody else for still liking Superman and Lois. I'm envious if you still like Superman and Lois. I wish I could keep watching it, but it doesn't work for me anymore. And that's fine. That's totally fair. And it's it's really disturbing to me to see how many people just can't get over that. Like so many people just got mad that I, I said, you know, it, it, my experience with the show has changed now and I'm, I'm not going to be watching it anymore, but that's cool. If you want to, and it still works for you. That's awesome. I hope you keep, I hope you love it all the way through, but it's amazing to see how many people get ass hurt over the fact that somebody said they're not watching the show anymore. It's like, yeah, get over yourself. I mean, you like it. Awesome. I celebrate that. I don't anymore. My experience with this changed. I wish it didn't, but it did. And you just got to accept that and move on. All right. Next up, uh, Smokey McPot writes, John, maybe I'm going crazy, but I feel like I've already seen Ryan Reynolds movie free guy. I definitely watched a film with Ryan in where he is in a simulation game world and becomes self-aware. Was this movie already released on Netflix at some point? I, I mean, maybe you're being facetious, Smokey, and you're actually referencing another movie. And if you are, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Maybe if I've sat down and actually looked into it, I would. But I, I can't think of one, personally. I can't think of one myself. But anyway, if you do come across it, let me know. All right. An anonymous viewer writes, Hey, John, Superman's skin color doesn't matter since he's an alien. If race doesn't matter, why specifically cast a black guy for the J.J. Abrams project? Shouldn't they just look for the best actor for the part? Uh, uh, doesn't matter if he's white, black, or green. Well, see, here's the difference, Anonymous. The difference is they've done Superman the same fucking way for 70 years or however long Superman's been around. They've done it the same way, portrayed him the exact same way for decades and decades and decades and decades and decades. We are always asking Hollywood to try to change things up, try something different. So I am totally cool with them trying, you know what, let's do something different. Let's try, instead of Superman being an alien organism who happens to look like a white Caucasian, because remember, Superman is not white. He's an alien organism. He's not human at all. But he happens to have the appearance, traditionally, of a white Anglo-Saxon male. Okay, great. So what if we tried it and how would it feel a little bit different if instead of this alien organism coincidentally happened to look like a white Caucasian, what if he looked like an African-American instead? That could be interesting. How would that change the experience of the Superman, of this Kryptonian alien coming to Earth? How would that change it? See, I believe there is creative merit in trying something that's a little bit different from a way that's just been done a thousand times already. So, yeah, I, listen, and if J.J. Abrams was making one again with a white Superman, perfectly fine. Like I said, I am personally more of a traditionalist. Like, Superman's always been done this way. If I was making the next movie, I would probably continue on with that. 
But I have no issue with them wanting to try something different. And I would challenge anybody to look in the mirror and ask themselves why they have such a big problem with it. Because here's the thing. It's like any other movie, like any reboot or remake or original film. If they make the movie and it's not good, then we forget about it, we discard it, and we move on. Just like any other bad movie. It is amazing to me to see how many people are crying. Oh my God, they're making Superman black. Why, why doesn't anybody think about the children? <laughs> Get over yourself. If it's good, it's good. If it's not, it's not. And we move on and we forget about it and discard it like we do with all the other bad movies. Why are you having such an issue? Why is this such a giant cucumber up your ass that it's making you so uncomfortable? Why does it make you so disturbed and so uncomfortable that in a fictitious story about an alien from a distant planet who's a completely different biological creature than human beings are, who yes, traditionally has been portrayed that his skin looks like a Caucasian male, why does it bother you so much that they're going to say the tone of his skin is a little bit different. Why does that bother you? Why does it bother you? Because that's not the way it's been done. Well, guess what? Wolverine was never portrayed as being six foot two like Hugh Jackman either, but that worked out to be pretty damn good. And then there have been things like the Fantastic Four that haven't turned out to be good and we forget it and we move on and we go back and try something else. Listen, we're going to get more Superman. We're going to get more Superman. This Michael B. Jordan Superman is going to come and go, and maybe it'll be great. Maybe it won't. This J.J. Abrams African-American Superman is going to come and go, and maybe it'll be great. Maybe it won't. But then we're going to get other Superman again. We're going to get more white Superman. Maybe we'll get lucky and we'll get an Asian Superman at some, some kind. It's that an alien biological entity that happens to look like an Asian instead of a Caucasian. That could be interesting. But the bottom line is this, the movie will come, the movie will happen, people will talk about it, they'll enjoy it, they won't enjoy it, and then the movie will be gone, just like Snyder Cut Justice League, right? For all the hype and hoopla about it, it came, it happened, and then it went away. Just like the original Justice League, it came, it happened, it went away. And if we love it, we can talk about how much we loved it. And if we didn't, we can forget about it. So why is there a giant stick up everybody's ass about a make-believe magical alien from a distant planet who just used to look like he was white and now it's going to look like maybe he's black? Why? What's the problem? If it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. And we'll get more Superman in the future. So just pull the cucumber out of your ass take a deep breath and then just look forward to whatever movie it is you're looking forward to and, and stop worrying about it. So I, again, I just ask, why do you have such a problem with this? Anyway, that's just me. All right. Next up. Um, let's see. Battenson writes, what is your favorite premium theater format? That's easy. IMAX, Dolby, uh, RPX, et cetera. And do you feel any of them could potentially reignite interest in the theater going thanks and bring on the filthy? Well, listen, I don't think any, the, the, the passion for theater going has gone anywhere. I don't think that's gone anywhere. You know that, but the thing is people got to feel comfortable about going out and being back out in those environments again. And not only do they have to get comfortable with going out in those environments again, 
they got to get back into the habit of doing those things again. And that stuff's going to take time. But anyway, my favorite one is uh, AMC Prime Dolby Theaters. That's my absolute favorite. The dual laser projection system, the Dolby Atmos sound. IMAX is great too. IMAX is fabulous. I'm not trash talking on IMAX at all. IMAX is great. But if I always have a choice, I will always go to an AMC Prime with Dolby Cinema. That to me is my absolute favorite experience. All right. Alan writes, Hey, John, being that you are Italian, uh, what is your Italian dish overall? Spaghetti, lasagna, ravioli, chicken, marsala, etc. And your favorite Italian restaurant? I know it's generic, but mine is chicken parmesan and uh, and uh, Ma- Maggiano's. I'm not familiar with Maggiano's. Anyway, I will tell you, my traditionally my favorite Italian dish, it, it comes from my nonna, which is her homemade lasagna with a good ricotta and stuff like that. It, it's my absolute, absolute favorite. Um, let me, I'm going to see if they have, I don't even know if they have a website. Oh, here it is. My favorite Italian restaurant in the world is a restaurant I actually used to work in, uh, but it is Chicago style pizza. That's the name of the place. Now it's not, don't let the name fool you. It's not just a pizza place. And by the way, that pizza you're looking at is the greatest pizza in the world. It's about, don't let the picture fool you. It's about this thick, all right? I'll tell you how they make this pizza. It's it's called their stuffed pizza. I'll tell you how they make it in a second. But they literally have, and it's a small restaurant, they literally have like these three little old Italian grandmothers are the main chefs. And it's run by this guy named Pat. And I worked there when I was, you know, in high school. I used to work in there a bit. I used to, I, there were two sides. There's the kitchen side and the pizza side. And I worked on the pizza side, although I would do a little bit of work in the kitchen as well. And this is in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. So I'm giving them a big free plug. Big free plug right now. And let me see if I can go to their photo gallery. I just love plugging these things. Um yeah, that's where I used to work, right here. See this guy working at that table? I That used to be me. That used to be me. Oh, there's a picture of Pat. So this guy right here in the black hat, that's the owner of the restaurant. Uh, he owns the place, and it's great. Anyway, if you live anywhere in the um, Hamilton, Toronto, Southern Ontario area, I am just telling you right now, it is totally worth the drive into Hamilton it's on the Hamilton Mountain on Upper Sherman by Fennel. Um, it's called Chicago Style. It is my absolute favorite restaurant in the world. The food is as authentic as it gets. It is bloody fantastic. And you got to try the stuffed pizza. Now, the stuffed pizza, what, what they do with the stuffed pizza is they there's this uh, dish pan, right? This pan dish is about this tall. And what they do is they take a large pizza dough. So a, a pizza, though, they would be using for a large pizza if somebody ordered just a regular large pizza. But when you order a stuffed pizza, what they'll do is they'll take that large pizza dough and put it in the pan. And so the lar- the ends come over the top of the pan a bit, right? So they seal the bottom. Then they put some sauce down. Then they take a bucket. I'm not kidding. A bucket of a three cheese blend and pour the bucket of cheese in there. And then whichever toppings you order, they just take handfuls of those and throw them in there. And then they take another large pizza dough. Like now it's going like this over the top of the pan. Then they take another large pizza dough 
put it on top, seal it off, put a little bit more sauce on the top with a couple more of the toppings, and you've got, listen, there's enough cheese in this pizza to choke a moose. A moose. And it is one of the most delicious things in the world. And actually, the name of one of their stuffed pizzas is called the No Self-Respect. I'm not kidding. That's the name of the pizza, the No Self-Respect. It is, oh my God, my mouth is watering. I miss it so much. Whenever I'm in Hamilton, I always make it a point. I tell Anne, I tell my parents, what, okay, great, we're home. Hi, great to see everybody. Love you, mom. When are we going to Chicago style? It is my absolute 100% must go to. And if you go, you ask for Pat, the owner, and you tell him, hey, John Campia talked about your restaurant on the show. He won't give you a discount because he's a cheap son of a bitch, but oh my God, can he run a great restaurant? Anyway, that is my place. If you live anywhere in the Southern Ontario area, go to Chicago style. It is the best Italian food other than my Nona. So uh, yeah, there's that. Okay. Next up. Um, Michael uh, Wyndham writes, Hey John and Rob, obviously Rob's not here right now. I know you said you weren't interested in this new He-Man show. I'm not super interested, but I did watch the first episode. Uh, But I was wondering if you've seen it and uh, if you've seen it yourself and heard about this drama review bombing. Rotten Tomatoes stopped taking audience reviews because of it. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm not going to talk about the fucking suckhole wastes of breath who do review bombing. I'm not going to bother talking about them. Uh, All I'll say is this, is I watched the first episode. Didn't work for me. That's all. Didn't work for me. The problem with the review bombing is that, you know, people are review bomb based on, I mean, review bomb things that they never even watched because of their own political persuasions and their own pre-existing biases and things like that, whatever. But listen, I, I can't come out on the other side of that either because I, I, again, I, again, I have no complaints about the show. It's not like I watch a show and it's like this part sucked and this part sucked. It just, you know, didn't particularly work for me, but I've heard from a lot of people that really love it, but there's that. All right. Next up. Um, Kendall writes, Hey John, uh, please answer both questions. Well, we'll see. Uh, please answer both questions because I am so curious, respect your thoughts with Smallville animated series coming. Is that the only way we'll ever see Tom don the Cape? Probably. Yes. And isn't a continuation story of him as Superman kind of interesting. I, you know, I'll tell you what, I go back and forth. Uh, yeah, we are never going to see Tom Welling in, in a legitimate live action thing. Like Tom Welling and some buddies might get together and do a YouTube video with him in the Cape. That could happen. I don't think we're ever going to see him in a real studio production as Superman. I think the time for that has come and gone. Not to, I don't think it ever should have happened, to be honest with you. I really like Smallville. But I remember when they were making Superman Returns and there was a bunch of people like wanted to start a uh, uh, a petition that bring Tom Welling as Superman. It's like, yeah, but they're making a Superman movie. They're not making Smallville the movie. And Smallville wasn't really Superman. So Smallville was a what if. Smallville was an Elseworlds telling of a Superman story. And it was great. I liked it very much. And, you know, some seasons were better than others, but I liked it very much. But yeah, and I and I go back and forth. Some days you a, people ask me about that, and I'm like, yeah, I'm interested in seeing this new animated thing if it ever actually happens. And then there are days, like today, I'm just, nah, actually, no. Smallville happened. It was great. But, I, I mean, I don't know. If you ask me tomorrow, I might have a completely different answer. I might have a completely different answer tomorrow. But I know I really like Tom Welling. 
And I've talked about this before, but he was on that one season of Lucifer. I think it was season, I want to say it was season three. Maybe it was season four. I can't remember. There was a season where he he was the main bad guy for the entire season. He played Kane. I loved him on that show. He was so good. Um, and Smallville or not, I really would like to see more Tom Welling and stuff. I would absolutely love to see more Tom Welling and stuff. All right, next up. Uh, Bryson Parker writes, Hey, John, uh, seeing some things that may be fake news, but I heard that they will be releasing Black Widow for free on Disney Plus in August instead of October. Thoughts? No, as far as I know, that's not true. So what they are doing is they're going to be releasing from the news that I read. They are going to be releasing Black Widow on digital, but that's not Disney Plus. So like you're going to be able to buy Black Widow on, you know, Apple TV or whatever you normally buy your movies from. You'll be able to buy the movie on digital and you're going to be able to get it on DVD and stuff like that at some point. But as far as I understand, it's not coming out on Disney Plus. Not until I think October. So, yeah, as far as it is coming out digitally, but I think what a lot what happened is a lot of people heard that it's going to be releasing digitally in August and they just assume since Disney Plus is digital, they just assumed, understandably so, that that meant it was also going to be available for everybody to watch on Disney+. Plus. That's not the case. I think those of you still have to wait until October. So I think you still got to wait to October. I could be wrong about that, but I, I the reading I did about it, I think that's the case there. All right, next up. Jesse writes, Imagine a film about a guy who gets sucked into a comic book. While the whole movie takes place inside a comic, it would not be considered a comic book movie, just a movie about comics. Like how Free Guy is not a video game movie, it is a movie about a video game. The one caveat I would give to that, Jesse, is I agree with you if the comic book he gets sucked into is a completely made-up original comic that's not a real comic in the real world but i would say if he got like pulled into an excalibur comic and you know nightcrawler is jumping around and all that kind of stuff then i would say it is a comic book movie uh then uh, then i would say it's a comic book movie if not if it's just a made-up comic that they just made up and stuff like that for the sake of the movie then it's a movie about a comic book. It's not a comic book movie. But if it was a recognizable existing comic book, I would then go so far as to say it's probably a comic book movie, but it all depends on that situation. That's just kind of my take on it at any rate. All right, next up, we go to Marcel2021 who writes, Hi, John, me again, LOL, but watching your show from earlier, and again, you mentioned HBO Max, and I feel envious of you guys. We haven't got it in the UK and Ireland, and I really want to watch the shows you talk about. Will they plan to expand? They have to. I mean, yes, I, I've got to absolutely believe their plan is to expand and get out. They First of all, they want to be worldwide. <clears throat> but, I mean, there's everybody thinks, oh, okay, well, then just be worldwide. There's a lot of you know, territorial rights and distribution agreements and all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of legal loopholes. It's the same reason why, you know, I think to this day, Disney plus still isn't available worldwide. It'll come, it'll come. And I, I feel really badly for, for you guys who when like, when we're talking about shows uh, like the ones that we do on HBO max, whether it is a Lovecraft country or Watchmen or whatever else is going on there, that there's still a lot of you guys out there who haven't had a chance to watch it. I don't know why HBO doesn't do what CBS all access used to do. 
and you know, CBS All Access doesn't exist anymore. Now it's Paramount Plus. But what they used to do is CBS All Access wasn't available everywhere. So when like Discovery was coming out, instead of there being a whole bunch of people in the world who couldn't watch Discovery, what they did was they would license Discovery out to like Netflix and other streaming services in other certain countries where CBS All Access wasn't available. Honestly, for the life of me, I don't know why HBO, I'm sure they have a good reason. I just don't know what it is. I don't understand why HBO doesn't do the same thing. You know, you have a tremendous show uh, like Lovecraft Country. So why don't you just license it out to another streamer in another country where HBO Max doesn't exist yet? And so more people around the world can watch and consume your content. I, and you can make money through licensing rights to those other streaming services. Again, I'm sure they have a good reason. I just don't understand why. And uh, I, I really hope you're able to get it soon, Mark. I really, really do. All right, next up. Tony Rodriguez writes, Hey, John. So I got to let you know uh, the Wreck-It Ralph was indeed based on the 1982 released arcade cabinet Fix-It Felix Jr. No, it was not. I can tell you for certainty that it was not. Uh, we have one in the Midtown Manhattan Barcade. It's a bar filled uh, with all retro arcade games. I've seen the motherboard to date. No, I can tell you that's not true. Um, I mean, I'm sure you saw something, but... We were told very explicitly, like when Wreck-It Ralph was coming out, there was a whole bunch of video game IP in Wreck-It Ralph, obviously, but the four main characters of Ralph, uh, Vanellope, Fix-It Felix, and I can't remember the name of the, uh, you know, the, the video game warrior woman that Felix marries, uh, but those four are not, they, they were very clear, were not based on any existing IP. Those four main characters were not based on any existing IP whatsoever. So I believe there is probably a game. Listen, there are, there are standing cabinet video games of Wreck-It Ralph, but they were made after the movie came out. So listen, I'm not willing to bet my life on this. I, I suppose there's a possibility that's incorrect, but we were told very clearly that those four characters were completely original for the movie, did not exist. And no, Wreck-It Ralph was not based on that original uh, video game. Okay, next up. Um, Phil Costa writes movies. I love, but I wonder if you've seen the hitcher. Yes. Match point. Yes. Lost Highway. I can't remember. If I've seen lost highway. Not uh, wonder boys. Absolutely. We, we actually just talked about wonder boys a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the remains of the day. Yes. In the mouth of madness. I'm not sure that I have, uh, il postino. I'm not sure that I have, uh, the butterfly effect. Yes. And the, and these Eastwood films, heartbreak Ridge, obviously, uh, escape from Alcatraz. Yes. The rookie. Yes. So, uh, I might've seen all of them, but there's a couple there in there that I'm not hundred percent sure if I have or not, to be honest with you. So I may not have. All right. Sam Weiser Gamgee writes, Hey there guys. Uh, you had a recent question about theaters addressing deaf people's viewing experience. I worked for Cinemark uh, for 14 years. We had a portable device that fit in the seat's cup holder and displayed text on an LED screen. People liked it. Thanks. Bring on the filthy. That's great. Yeah, so what what he's talking about is the other day somebody wrote in a question about being really frustrated because they have a brother who is deaf, but they, they there's no accessibility for them in the movie theaters. And I, I talked before about how I thought I heard about there being something, but a device like that, that's great. Because I said, one of the problems is you can't do screenings with subtitles on because that'll annoy a lot of people. That sort of thing sounds perfect. 
where there's a device that will digitally display out the dialogue on screen while the movie's happening. I'm sure it's not super convenient that you have to look down at your device and then look up at the screen, but still it's better than nothing. That's actually pretty good. Thank you for making me aware of that, Sam Weiser. That's a really good thing to know. Does Cinemark still do that? I don't know if AMC does or not, or well, I should know that because I worked with AMC for so many years, but I, I honestly don't know if AMC does it. Does Cinemark still do it? Do other theater chains still do that? Because that sounds like a great option. I never knew about that. Thanks for sharing, Samwise. Appreciate it, man. All right. Uh, Gorlin the Brave writes, I'm not familiar with Dune. I want to be excited about it, but the trailers uh, give me Jupiter Ascending vibes. Oh, God, that's unfortunate, uh, which is not good. Oscar Isaac's character looks like Eddie Redmayne's from Jupiter. He's not. Believe me. Um, uh, no, no. Uh, Atreides is not at all like Paul Redmayne's character from Jupiter Ascending. Not in the least. Not even a little bit. Uh, anyway, Isaac Carey, look at Adrian Maines for Jupiter, stiff and stoic. Is that an unreasonable concern? No, of course not. Jupiter Ascending is one of the worst films to be made in the last, I don't know, thousand years. It's a very big concern. I, but listen, art is art, man. It all hits us in different ways. I in no way, shape or form got any Jupiter Ascending vibes from it. Like not at all. But if you did, you did. And if, cause I'll tell you what, if I got Jupiter ascending vibes from the Dune trailer, hell yes, I'd have some concerns. Oh my God. Yes. I would major red flags, big red lights flashing on and off warning. Will Robinson sirens going off all over the place. I totally would, but I knowing Dune, it is nothing like Jupiter ascending. I didn't get those vibes at all. So, Hey man, listen, all I would say is, uh, hang in there and give it a try. But I, if, Again, I don't blame you for it. And if you got Jupiter sending vibes, I'd be concerned too. But I, I personally didn't. And knowing the story of Dune, it is nothing like Jupiter ascending. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we're safe. But man, I'm sorry you had that experience, dude. I really am. All right, next up, Scott Brown writes. Uh, do you think with the different options for entertainment, streaming and video games, et cetera, and shortened home release windows, that it's hurting the theater second weekend? Maybe that explains these huge drops. If it doesn't get a B or an A, people just move on. Um, well, here's the problem with that. Now, there have been two big, huge second weekend drops, right? Um, one, of course, was Fast 9 that had nearly a 70% drop. Then you had... Black Widow, which had a 67% drop, which is the second. Now, a, a good normal drop is anywhere between 50 and 60%. 50 to 60% drop is perfectly fine. Once you start getting over 60%, that's where you get concerned. But the reality is, Scott, things like streaming was around before COVID. Things like video games have been around before COVID. Shorten release windows, that's a new thing but honestly, I think it is just about the recovery. Well, and with Fast 9 is a terrible movie. Uh, that That's a big thing as well. Snake Eyes is a terrible movie. Of course, that's a subjective judgment. I mean, I, I hate it. Maybe you liked it. And if you did, that's great. But that's a big thing too. So no, I don't think those elements are part of... Listen, we are in an unprecedented time. We are coming off a global pandemic, the likes of which the movie theater industry has or the entertainment industry has never had to deal with before. This is completely uncharted territory. And even now in our recovery, because there's so many people who still refuse to get vaccinated, we're seeing numbers start to spike again with the new variant. 
And so it's you cannot look past that. That is the prime reason that things are so weird. And what does normal look like in the midst of such an event? There is no normal. So I don't know, but I don't think it's any of those things. I could be wrong, Scott. I could be wrong, but I don't think it's any of those um, uh, reasons. I don't think it's any of those. But, you know, that that's just uh, me and my take on it. All right. And next up, we've got Wesley Cunningham who writes, Sup, John and Co. In a recent interview, Jason Blum said, not only is a new paranormal activity coming together, but it is finished. So how many squirts of piss do you give? I may have one or two, but I need, uh, I need a word of mouth before I even spend parking money, uh, a listing it. Um, listen, look, am I going to sit here and tell you that I'm a major, uh, paranormal activity fan? No, but I've liked a couple of them. It's so I'll give it a shot. I am at the very most, but at least mildly interested. I'm mildly interested. I'm not one of these guys that's, and I have no problem. If you're one of the guys who are just rolling your eyes going, oh my God, why are they doing another one? I don't blame you. I don't. I'm not one of you though. I I, I actually have some mild interest to see what they're going to do. Listen, uh, Blumhouse has put out some crappy movies, but they've also put out a surprisingly number of really good solid movies. So I will give it the benefit of the doubt. I will go into it mildly interested and, you know, let's see what they do with it. Anyway. All right. Thanks for writing that in, Wesley. Next up, we got Dakota who writes, Fast 10, we will see the family with boring cars, just like the movie The Core. But with that shit on the front of the Dodge Charger, they're going into the middle of the earth. Man, I remember The Core. Do you remember that where they made this giant like train thing and they had to go down to the core of the earth? Anyway, uh, they're going into the earth with Elon Musk as the villain, uh, this time with his secret underground boring company base. I'm not sure what elicited that from you, Dakota, but that's certainly an interesting premise for a movie you've set up there. All right, next up, Ryan Lohner writes, I'll say this for Snake Eyes. With all the talk lately about needing better representation in movies, one that I didn't see coming was all was an Asian actor getting the role of dumbass American jock bumbling through Japanese culture. Yeah, I mean, look, that ultimately... Yeah, I had a problem with the shaky cam. Yes, there were major logic holes in throughout the movie. But the biggest, biggest problem I had, and you guys have heard me talk about it, the biggest problem that I had with Snake Eyes was just the fact, you know, I said this to Anne, I said it on the show. It's difficult to like a movie when you don't like the hero, and it's difficult to like the hero when the hero is actually the villain. And Snake Eyes is the villain of the film. And poor Snake Eye or poor Storm Shadow was a hero. He was honorable. He was trying, he treated everybody with respect. He was trying to do right by his family, by his clan, by his code of honor. And Snake Eyes royally fucked him over again and again, and ultimately causing him to lose everything. By the end of the movie, I wanted Storm Shadow to stick a sword through Snake Eyes' heart. I really did. He was a complete asshole. And uh, yeah, the bumbling American jock bumbling through his way through Japanese culture. Who knew? And again, I I love Andrew Koji. So I thought he did a great job playing Storm Shadow. I love Henry Golding. I did. It it wasn't his problem. The problem with this movie was not the performance that he gave. Not at all. But man, that was a bad script. Totally, totally bad script. All right, next up. uh, Where are we at? We're at Brandon who writes, this is an awesome story. 
Did you see that ILM hired a YouTuber? Yes, yes, I saw this. Hired a YouTuber named Shamook who created a viral deep fake of Luke Skywalker in the Mando season two finale that was actually better than ILM's version. Videos on YouTube, this story just made me smile. Well, here's the interesting thing, Brandon. Everybody's acting like this is the first time this has happened. It's not. There are many stories, like going back 15 years like I happen to know a guy who like did like a viral video thing from home and then got hired on by ILM like 15 years ago. So this is actually not a brand new thing. It's not a brand new thing that, you know, a company will identify somebody who's somebody with real talent and talk to them and then maybe even end up hiring them. So, I mean, it's a very, very good story. Absolutely. But it's not the first time that it's happened and it won't be the last, but it is a good story. It's always good to hear stuff like this. All right. Final question of the day, guys. Uh, the Wakandan Forever writes, Live each day like it's your last. I saw old. I still haven't had a chance to watch old yet. I am interested in the film. I want to watch it and I will watch it. I just haven't had a chance yet. I saw old this weekend. It was pretty good. There was always a plot twist. M night gets me sometimes, but I figured this one out pretty early on. If nothing else, it was a good reminder to appreciate the time that you have. And listen, I am interested in this and thank you Wakandan for giving us your, uh, your two cents on the movie. I have not seen it yet myself, obviously, but I really do want to. That's a good life lesson. And I got to say, it's good to feel good about M. Night again. It is good to feel good about M. Night. You know, he, listen, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He became the absolute laughing stock of Hollywood for years. He went from being on the magazine cover of the next Spielberg. Remember that? Go look it up. He's. I think it was Time Magazine that had M. Night on the cover looking all serious and says, the next Spielberg. And unfortunately, the dude bought into his own press and he thought he was infallible. And there are some iconic stories about him acting like an ass <clears throat> and thinking he was infallible. And he made some terrible movies after he made a bunch of good ones. But we always talked about it, that the shame as he started, as his career started to go to hell and like audiences would literally laugh in theaters when a trailer would come on and it would say a film by M. Night Shyamalan, the audiences would literally laugh out loud. But we always said, listen, this is the same guy who made Sixth Sense and the same guy who made Unbreakable. And, you know, he's clearly got a gift. Then he became a laughingstock and then came this little movie he did. Oh God, what was the name of it again? The Visit. Catherine Hahn is in it about the two little kids who go visit their grandparents. That's a solid little movie. That is a solid little movie. And then there was Split. And that was a solid movie. Now, I didn't like Glass. I, I did not like Glass. But those films started to show that M. Night was back. And so not everybody is loving old, but I'm hearing some good things about old as well. And I, for one, really, I think Hollywood is a better place with an M. Night Shamhammer who is operating at full capacity and who is on his A-game. I just think Hollywood's a better place when he is. And, uh, you know, we'll never forget Avatar. And we'll never forget The Happening, nor should we. But, you know, I just think, again, Hollywood's a better place when, when M. Night is making good movies. 
And so uh, my fingers will be crossed that I hope I like it. Not everybody is right now. It's getting kind of mixed reviews, but I'm hearing some good things about it too, and I'm glad you saw it, Wakandan, and I'm looking forward to seeing it myself. All right, guys, listen, there's still more to come from Anton Riley, uh, Great Grabthar's Hammer, Andy from Canada, and others. Do not worry. We will get picked up on these on the John Campion Show tomorrow when me, Robert Meyer Burnett, and I believe Kimberly Kern is going to be joining me and Rob tomorrow as well. So I think we're going to have three of us on tomorrow as well. So please make sure to tune in and join us for that as well. All right, guys, remember to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and take care of the people around you. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends. Bye-bye.